0: Welcome to Burn It All Down, the feminist sports podcast you need. Jessica here, and I'm joined tonight by Amira, and we are thrilled to have four-time U.S. Olympian, bobsledder, and flamethrower Alana Myers-Taylor with us right now. If you've listened to our Olympic preview that we published earlier this week, you will already know that Alana is a three-time medalist. She won a silver medal at the last two Olympics. She's currently ranked number one in both of the women's events, the 2 women's bobsled and the new, very fun to say, monobob. Today we learned that her fellow U.S. Olympians voted her flag bearer for the opening ceremony, but she will not be able to attend because she's currently isolated In a hotel room, I can't tell exactly where you are, but I'm going to ask in a second, Uh, because she tested positive when she got to China. So first, welcome, Alana. We're so happy you're here. Thanks, and thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And I wanted to ask how you're feeling.
1: Yeah, uh, physically, I feel great. Um, I have no symptoms. I've been asymptomatic the entire time, which is a huge blessing. Um, Mentally, I think, as anybody knows, it comes and goes. You know, I think the hardest thing right now is being away from my family, my husband, uh, my son, and my my father as well. So, uh, being in the room, isolated, just trying to stay focused and as positive as they can.
0: Okay, so can we? I wanted to ask, like, can you walk us through, like, what happened after you landed in China? Like, you got off the plane and they immediately tested you, and that's how you found out that you had COVID.
1: No, no, <laughs> that would make so much sense if that happened. So, we got off the plane um, prior to leaving. Uh, I actually did a training camp in Switzerland. Um, the rest of the U S team had gone back to California, uh, but we decided not to travel because we thought it was too much risk for COVID. And with my son, we just thought it was better to stay in Switzerland where our last race was. So we tried to do everything we could to avoid COVID. Um, our two, we had two tests prior to arriving, um, both in Switzerland and both of those were negative. We got here, landed, um, Tested negative at the airport, tested negative the next day, and then tested positive the day after that. So um, pretty frustrating from that aspect because I thought once I was in the bubble, I would be pretty good.
0: Uh, But you know, stuff happens. And did you get like walked to your hotel room? It feels like it was probably pretty intense at that point. Yeah. So I was already in a
1: different hotel uh, because I wasn't staying in the village because I had my son with me. Um, So I was in a hotel already. Um, We were all in a hotel as a family. We got isolated from there. Uh, My son got put in a room with my dad and then me and my husband, Nick, who's also a bobsledder, got put in two different rooms. Then after that, they decided they needed to move us to an isolation facility from that hotel. So individually, one by one, we were taken in the ambulance, um, loaded up with all our baggage and then put into an ambulance and driven over to this other isolation hotel. Um, And we've been here for a couple of days now.
0: Wow, that actually sounds kind of scary. Yeah, like that would feel like a lot in a foreign country. I don't know. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think the language barrier doesn't help things. um You know, doing the transportation and everything—they're trying to be as nice as possible for what's a crappy situation. But at the same time, it is—you know—we're talking about this deadly disease, so you know they're trying to be protective too and trying to protect themselves as well. So it's just a whole. There's a whole lot of factors to it. Um,
2: Yeah, it's so much going on. And obviously, I mean, the summer games, it feels like we just recovered from the summer games, Um, but we're able to see a lot of kind of parallels and storylines. We're continuing to watch. And we've, you know, we've been following your entire kind of parenthood journey, it feels like. Um, But we already know there's this whole discussion about like what it looks like to have equitable resources and accommodations for for mothers um, at the Olympic Games And then when you compound that with COVID, like, how are you doing? I saw you were FaceTiming with your son is very cute. Um, But like, how is that level of isolation? Like, it feels like it's compounded. Um, You know, it's not just that you're alone, but you're also separated.
1: Yeah. The hardest thing is um, I haven't been away from my son more than one night Mm. um, ever. And that one night was he stayed over his grandparents' house. That was it. Um, And it's part because of his... Um, he has different diagnoses and things like that. So I always felt like the need to keep special close to him, but he's doing great, which is the good news. Uh, but yeah, definitely the most challenging piece of this is definitely the hardest piece, is Cause I just want to be with him and I just want to be able to snuggle and hold him close.
0: Yeah. How, so can you tell us how long do you expect to be in isolation? And I saw a little video today, but like, can you tell us what you're doing? I mean, you're, you're there to compete in the fucking Olympics, like what are you what are you doing to stay ready to go out there and monobob it? I saw you got a bike delivered.
2: Yes,
1: I got a bike delivered, which is huge. Um, so they're trying, they're working really hard to get me weightlifting equipment and different things. Um, we can only have deliveries in here once a day. So they're trying to get me whatever they can. Um, It's also a transportation issue because you can imagine it's hard to fit exercise equipment into cars and things like that. So we're trying to work out all the pieces, um, but it's been pretty difficult so far. So I'm optimistic I'll get more equipment. I mean, the good news is I was in really great shape coming in here. um, And so I just need to maintain it. And, and, you know, I wasn't really looking to build any strength or speed at this time, just really fine-tune some things. So I'm optimistic that I won't have too much of a loss by the time I get out. And so, what it looks like within 10 days, I have to have two negative tests. After 10 days, if I don't have two negative tests, I have to have a CT value over 35. And once I have that um, for three days, then I'll be out. Um, and so, I, I'm pretty confident because my CT values are right around there already um, that I'll be out. Uh, I'm optimistic for two negative tests, but I'm hopeful that we'll have more. And I'm, you know, my family's all all good and testing really well and Hopefully we'll, we'll all be out pretty soon.
0: And you expect to be able like on that schedule, you'll com- still be able to compete in both events.
1: Um, the question is with the 10 days, um, because I need three days of CT values over 35 at that point. So it's going to be pretty close for monobob. Um, I'm optimistic that maybe we can figure it out and maybe they can let me race or get a run in to qualify. Cause I have to have a two training runs in to qualify. So I'm hopeful that they'll at least let me compete. And that's the biggest thing right now is yes, all things considered. And I get out. I still have a really good shot at gold medal. I think the later and later I get out, the harder and harder that's going to be. But at this point, it's just about making it to that starting line. Even if I just get two training runs, you know, I don't know what that means for my medal chances, but it's just about getting to that race at this point.
2: I mean, the journey to get here, it's so hard to train and make Olympic Games and then the pandemic, and then it it your your kind of motherhood journey to get back to this place, and it feels like I'm just mad, like I don't know, what to, <laughs> which is probably not a useful emotion. Um, but you know, it's like I mean, I guess you can get a lot of things done off of spite. But I'm just like, I want all good things for you, and it's just so ridiculous, right? That like at the eleventh hour, it feels like yet another obstacle. But I mean, you're so resilient. I'm hoping that 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 resiliency is like an extra muscle that you've been working out on the way, because
0: this is just a shit show. I know. I think it was almost exactly two years ago, Alana, that you were on Burn It All Down, and we were talking about you doing your ridiculous squats while you were pregnant, and I was like in awe of you. I mean, that was just two years ago, and it's been what a time since we last talked.
1: Yeah, crazy, because it was. To get back here. Uh, and it's definitely been the hardest journey so far. And then to get here and to have that happen is it's tough. Um, and you do go through bouts of anger, but most of all, like I'm really grateful because I think the whole time, part of the reason why we worked so hard to avoid COVID is because we didn't know how it would affect my son. Um, mm. You know, we've been in the emergency room, we've, we've had all those rough days, you know, as early as Christmas, we spent almost all of Christmas break in the emergency room, um, you know. so he's had his fair share of medical battles, but to see him get COVID and to handle it like a rock star, like that's one of the things like I have to be more grateful for than anything else. Um, but like I said, you can't help but go through the motions, but mostly just focused on what I'm grateful for. And that's one of the main things I'm grateful for.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I did a piece on black women on team USA leading into the summer games. And one of the things, you know, it, it felt like particularly for black women athletes who are navigating like all of these things, that the lead up to the games was just filled with all these obstacles. Um, And so it was really important for me to ask them, and I want to ask you as well, um, what have you been doing for self-care and how do you find joy or make space for joy, even when it feels like you're running up against an obstacle after obstacle?
1: Yeah, so for me, my self-care, believe it or not, was just simply having the time to watch cartoons with my son.
2: Love it. Because so much of
1: what we do all the time, whether it's his therapies, whether it's my training, whether it's anything like that, it's so much work all the time that anytime I have the opportunity to just watch cartoons, like it's just really a special time. So now I'm kind of trying to find new ways for self-care. Like we got to watching Canto. Yes, I love that. <laughs> so I'm trying to rewatch some of the songs on YouTube and stuff like that and, and trying to find different ways <laughs> to get some me time. But I don't really know. I haven't had this much alone time. I don't think ever. Like, uh, because mm. even dating Nick in, in 2011 and we've been together almost every day since. So we try to spend as little time away from each other as possible. So, yeah it, it's it's gonna be interesting uh
2: to try to find
1: new ways to take care of myself
2: oh my gosh well I don't know if you do Peloton but Peloton has a great 30 minute incanto yoga that I was like that was like my self-care to, we we're having an ice storm coming to Austin right now and the kids are out of school for the rest of the week and there was a tweet that was like uh, shelter with people that you want to be around, like, and you're fine with being around for days. And at that exact moment, my kids were being wild. And I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) And so I was like, Encanto yoga for me right now. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, what's Nico's
0: favorite cartoon? Right now. He's not really as much into cartoons. He loves Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Yes. Um, Oh, I remember. Yeah. He's so much into
1: Elmo right now. Like it is Elmo everything.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Good choices, Nico.
3: Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: So the U.S. Olympians voted for their flag bearers for the opening ceremony. How did you find out that you were one of the two people selected? So
1: I actually found out um, the same day I got my confirmed positive test. Oh, no!
2: Talk about a roller coaster of a day. Oh, no. Yeah,
1: they had to tell me right away to try and come up with a game plan and try and figure out what we were going to do. Um So they told me and I was like, yay, oh no. Um, And we were going to try to walk and we were going to see if I can get some negative tests. So they were going to give me that opportunity, but then we got word from the IOC and from um, the Beijing Olympic Committee that even if I tested negative, I still wouldn't uh, be able to walk because then you go into close contact protocols, um, which prevents you from being around a lot of people. So, um, and even in close contact protocols, you'll pretty isolated and stuff so it looks like for the entire course of this games more than likely i'll be pretty isolated um which is pretty rough for your olympics um but it also makes me consider about maybe going to another
0: one so who knows (gasps) y'all heard it here You, you know you are the flag bearer in our hearts forever alana absolutely
2: (laughs) well i mean it was so deserved because you've done such important work um around women in sports obviously with the women's sports foundation but also really with diversifying bobsled and and really talking about um diversity issues at the winter games which i feel like the last olympic cycle which feels like i don't know in the before times it feels like forever ago now but that was you know remember one of the emerging narratives it's like oh we're sending the most diverse team ever to to um the winter games and i remember like alana did so much work in said, like if if one person can do that much recruitment work and like change the face of a sport like you're evidence of what it means to be like a torchbearer like flag bearer absolutely and you know 2 years ago you were dealing with the IOC and talking about um, racism persisting in the sport of bobsled as well. And now I'm wondering, um, as we move into these Olympic Games, uh, as you look around the sport as well as the Olympics, are you seeing positive changes? Are you things that you're still hopeful? What is the kind of state of diversity at, at the Winter Games now, which is obviously a narrative that is now buried because you have human rights and COVID and all these things that are really important conversations, but this is work that you've been so um, involved in.
1: Yeah. So I think there's been a lot of great progress, but I still think we have way more work to do. Um, I I just think, you know, from a pure performance standpoint, the more diverse Alan Pool, the more medals we're going to be able to win. And I feel like from a very basic level, all IOC, NOCs, everything should be able to understand that. Like, You get more people, more people from different backgrounds and stuff. You're going to perform better anyways. Um, So I can't get anyone else on board with any of the other reasons. I believe it's important to have diverse people. Those are number one is because we know that that's, I mean, look at U.S. women's uh, soccer teams, look at some of the softball teams that they're very diverse. They have Asian Americans, they have African Americans, they have all these different people. So, you know, it's important for performance. Very bottom line. Um, For other reasons though, I just think it's important to have everyone to have an opportunity to go after their Olympic dreams and to live their Olympic goals. And I think the winter Olympic space is a great opportunity for that. Um, I've worked so hard in bobsled because I love the sport and because I think it's a great way for people to get into the Olympic games after they feel like, you know, they didn't make it another sport or even they did make it another sport like Lolo Jones and Lauren Williams, and they want to transition. Like, So I've seen the growth, but I know there's still those stereotypical attitudes about Black athletes in winter sports, and we're still always going to be working to change that. We're still always going to be fighting for equity and fighting for those kind of things. Um, And I think some of the things that happen is whenever you bring up those issues, it's easy for people to say, hey, I see this. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. But then there's no action steps taken. And I think until we get people of color in higher-up leadership positions, we're always going to have that problem. And that's part of the issue is because we don't have enough athletes at the root level of the sport that we're not then feeding into coaching systems and then to higher up leadership positions. So I think getting more athletes in is essential in order to create that pipeline. But at the end of the day, we're going to have to get more diverse people all the way up the chain in order for real change to happen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We saw that, you know, at the the summer game was with at the same time that they was like, this is the most women we've ever had here. The leadership did not bear that out. And you were having these draconian, you know, ideas about like where your kids could stay when you were, you know, at the game. So I think that you're absolutely right that it has to be, we have to look all the way up and down to to think about this as a foundational shift.
1: And it's really encouraging more um, South American and African nations competing in bobsled. Uh, because that's also where it takes place because now they have seats and they have voting powers within our international federations and hopefully you know they're able to have more sway in elections and also change then who are the faces of our international federation you know um and i'm not a person who just believes anybody should get a position just because of um you know the color of their skin or anything like that but we have highly qualified people highly qualified People who are diverse, like it's not it's not a question of, oh, you have to be a certain skin color. No, we have very qualified people for positions now uh, uh, getting into those positions. Mm.
0: Well, I wanted to ask about the events itself that you're going that you're going to race. I'm going to just say it that way. Yeah, you better manifest that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, From our lips to the goddess's ears. This is my ignorance of the bobsled circuit though that you i know you move around to different countries i know you've been competing i follow an instagram so i'm always checking you out in those cold places that you go but i don't know have you actually raced on this track in china yet have you been able to see it do you have an under like how are you feeling about the actual races that are coming up and your familiarity with the venue itself
1: yes yeah, so we had an opportunity to come there in october um we did couple races it wasn't for us in the u.s team we weren't really focused on the outcome or anything like that um so we were kind of just trying different things so the results like if you look at the results of those races you're gonna be like oh my gosh Kelly and Alana did horribly like the heck happened, but it wasn't really about that for the US team, whereas other teams were treating it like a real race and things like that. So, you know, we were just using it as more of a reconnaissance mission and just trying to get as much information on the track. Um, I was really confident coming in here that I could figure out this track and that I could put together four solid runs. Um, they do have two training days yesterday and today, and so I felt like I needed those training days, but fortunately, coaches have been sending me videos and things like that, so I've been able to study still. Um, but I'm still optimistic that I can put really good things together on this track. Um, Fortunately for me, I'm one of the strongest starters in this sport, and that gives me a huge advantage. So it allows me a little bit more leeway down the track um, to make mistakes. And I'm really looking forward to having that advantage uh, should I get out of here and and compete because I'm not going to get as many training runs as everyone else.
0: Is it a hard track? Is this a particularly tough track to run? It's
1: not a tough track to get down. It is a very tough track to uh build speed and be consistent on. So it's mm. um you have right off the bat, curves one and two are probably at least two stories high, which are pretty massive curves for the beginning of the track. Um it's not a particularly fast track or anything like that, but it is a tricky track to be fast on. Um so mm. it's gonna be a really great race, really great competition. Um and the people who can be consistent and figure it out for four runs are who are gonna have a chance. Like uh Kelly will have a great chance. Um Mariama, gold medalist from the last games because of her consistency over the past years she has a great chance as well even in the monobob even giving her start is a little bit further back than the rest of us so it's going to be a good competition and i just want to get out there
2: do you feel like uh is there a preference for the events you're in is there one that's like that's that's my favorite that that that's what i love to do are you like i just want to get on the track on whatever sled i'm in
1: yeah so normally two man is my go-to. I'm usually a little bit stronger in two-man. My driving is a little bit better. But I've been killing it in Monobob this year. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you have. So now it's your favorite. You're like, give me (laughs) a Monobob. (laughs)
1: The biggest surprise to me too, because I only started uh, driving a bob in this past year. I've only been driving for a year. I started January of 20. 21 um so I, I don't have that much experience so it was a pretty big shock to have such success um, but i was really looking forward to it here because of the after the first run even of our test event where we were just trying things out like i had already uh finished third on the after that first run of the race so i was optimistic that i could come here and, and make good things happen especially in a but i'm still gearing for it and still getting up ready to go
2: Well, when we're talking about the monobob, like I have so many questions about Mm. sled tech. And so is there a difference in piloting it? Like, is there, was it easy to pick up? It's it's just like, no, it wasn't easy.
1: (laughs) It's somewhere between a bobsled and skeleton and skeleton is face first down the
2: ice. Uh. (laughs) I know. Every time I think about it, like we just did our Olympic preview. If you listen to it, it's most of us being like, this is death defying for like every sport.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Big, big cowards.
1: That is the winter Olympics. Yeah, so it is crazy. These things skid around because they just don't have the same amount of weight as a normal bobsled. Oh, so they skid around course. very difficult to control and they're not going as fast. So it creates a lot of instability. So you actually do have to alter your drive a little bit on the track. So where the sled is in the track, it's a bit of a lower line um, and, it, and it's just a different feel completely. I mean, a lot of the guys have a lot more respect for us uh, because of our ability to drive these sleds because they know they couldn't drive these sleds. Like the, you're crazy. (laughs) The men try though. Um, It'd be really cool if they had men's model Bob too. And maybe one day they'll have a exhibition race or something like that.
2: Has your husband ever been like, I just want to, I'm just going to steal your sled and and try see how I do in it. Nope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ever wanted to. He's a brakeman, and he he's mm. happy to be back there.
2: <laughs> um, this is a messy question, but hey, that manufacturer that like refuses to sell sleds to black people, they're still manufacturing, yes,
1: they are still manufacturing. and um, yeah, I actually had an opportunity to drive one of his sleds in front of him.
2: Oh, did he was he like, oh, am I at a zoo? Jess, do you know what this racist no. man? He no. refuses to sell sleds to black drivers because he says, if you wanted to see a monkey drive a sled, <gasps> he'd go to a zoo.
0: No. Oh, my God. And there's
2: only a handful of sled makers that make top elite level.
0: That's hor- I. It's horrific. Oh, my God. I don't even know. Anyways. Eyes. So Alana was in a you sled. You drove in front
2: of him. This is very 1936 Jesse Owens, Berlin. Yes. Well, it was
1: it was a sled that he had built. I borrowed it from another team and actually got in it and drove it just because Um, I thought about racing it, but I was like, okay, that's too far. Um, I think, I think it was just pretty cool to just even be in it um, while he was there and to see that, you know, I don't care what he says or, and and I I, honestly, I wouldn't really want to race it anyways. I don't want to buy the sled. I don't want to buy sleds that are, are, yeah, no. So, you know, I don't even have any qualms with anybody who has, any of the athletes who have the sleds because some of them didn't know he said that some of them didn't weren't aware of that have never talked to him about those issues and some of them their federation bought the sled so i don't have any issues with Mm. them and i think it should be separate you know but there might be some athletes who believe what he believes too and that's on them but i can't i don't take invest too much in that negative energy
2: Mm -hmm. well i i'm so thankful that you take the time to talk about this. And I also want to say before we let you go that I, um, I know that it's so difficult in this moment with um, a lot of people, you know, doing diplomatic boycotts and talking about human rights um, issues. And that we just talked to our good friends, Jules Boykoff about how we so often lay the burdens of this at the feet of athletes to then say, okay, now, you know, you solve this problem or you boycott or you do this. And so I I appreciate you talking about how much meaning it has for you to be there and what it means to be... Who you are, um, with your son representing for all of your communities and all your hard work at the Olympic Games, and it is a joy to watch you, and we are so proud of you, we and are we are so all proud. <laughs> crossing our fingers and toes and everything that like all these tests are fucking negative, and you can just get to the starting line because I feel like you know put Alana on a starting line, you you're gonna work your magic. So we are all <laughs> with you trying to just get to that point, um, and and we wish you. All of the healthy, healing vibes, all of the love, all of the cartoon watching with Nico in your future. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I, oh, I do want to know, when when you make one of these podiums in in Beijing, Alana, are you going to be able to hold Nico? Will he get to be in these <sighs> pictures on the podium?
2: I don't think so. Um, I, <sighs> we'll be ready to Photoshop him in. Okay.
1: Yeah,
0: we'll get <laughs> Shelby. Yeah. Shelby will Photoshop him right in for you.
1: Thank you. I honestly don't know if I'll be able to see him because of the close contact protocol. So um, I'm optimistic that I will, but we'll see.
0: Oh, we're we're so
2: excited for you. Yes, absolutely. And take care. Enjoy your um, room space <laughs> <laughs> um, and in time for yourself uh, and all the new drip. The cozy sweater vibes of the Winter Olympians. Uh, merch is like really it looks doing good. It for me this year yeah well take care we will be cheering for you all right thanks so much I appreciate
0: it yeah thank you thanks alana thanks for jumping on that's it for this episode of burn it all down this episode was produced by tressa Versteg. shelby weldon is our web and social media wizard burn it all down is part of the blue wire podcast network follow burn it all down on facebook twitter and instagram Listen, subscribe, and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and tune in For show links and transcripts, check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You'll also find a link to our merch at our bonfire store. And thank you to our patrons. Your support means the world. If you want to become a sustaining donor to our show, visit patreon.com burnitalldown. For Amira and myself, and as always, burn on and not out.